Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Well, good morning. We started this conversation last week called Regrets of the Dead, where we're looking at this sociological study that... We did. There we go. Interviewed people <laughs> as they were in the last 12 weeks of their time physically here on earth. And it's interesting because I've been privileged to be with people in their last few weeks on earth as a pastor. And they share things with you that they wouldn't normally share because they know that their time is running short. And this woman who had the privilege of being with thousands and thousands of people as they were in their last time here on earth, she just one second. She started compiling uh, the regrets that they had as they shared them as they were about to pass. And she combined all of these regrets into the top five that she found as she was interviewing these people. And you might be wondering why we're having this conversation. It's not just because it's like Halloween time and we thought this would be kitschy, but because Ancient wisdom tells us in the Psalms that we are to number our days so that we might actually have a heart of wisdom. See, when we recognize that time is a limited commodity, that is not something that we have an endless supply of, then we might actually think different about it. The problem is, is that we go through our lives oftentimes not thinking in those terms. We don't oftentimes live our life day to day thinking, oh, tomorrow isn't promised, or that I have a very limited time here on this planet, that it's just like a vapor, as the scriptures say. And, and there's this great lie that we live into, that we have more time. And it may not just be uh, like, hey, I'm going to die, but there, there may be this space of, I don't have time to have this conversation that I thought I had more time to, or I thought I had more time with this person, or I, had, I thought I had more time to engage in this certain perspective on life or to give myself to this certain space. And, and see, what we actually need is, is not to count down our lives, to, to count down to some event where time's going to end or the last days or counting down till we finally get to graduate into heaven that we might actually number our days that we have here and now to look how we might invest them well. See, that there might be an awareness of the finality of this life, to live it to its fullness. And, and these regrets that these individuals gave, they serve as a message, essentially from the future to us. They inform us of how we might be living here and now so that we might live in a new way, to essentially reverse engineer our life, asking the question of what's needed here and now today to step into the fullness of life, to, to step into the life that God has dreamed for me. And so during this series, we're gonna be reverse engineering these regrets so that we might be able to say at the end of our days that we lived life to its fullest, that we numbered our days and we did gain a heart of wisdom in the middle of this. So today we're actually gonna start with the biggest regret that they found, the number one in this. See, at the end of their days, 
The number one thing that people said was that there were unmet dreams. There were unmet longings. There were things that they wanted to give themselves to or engage in or to have happen as a result of being here on this earth. And they never actually fully realized them and time was too late. And it was all because they had lived a life defined by someone or something else. That another voice essentially had been defining how they were to live their life, how they were to give their life, that they were wanting to meet someone else's expectations. Whether it was the unmet expectations of their parents that were placed on them, whether it was the unmet expectations of friends, and looking to them as to how they were going to live their lives, whether it was society or religion or some type of a cultural norm and expectation that they had on them. And because of that, they never fully realized the authentic, authentic life that they were designed to live. This is one of the reasons why I love watching children. I, I love my boys, and, and what I love about my boys is that they live all in. And that's not just unique to my boys. When you look at young children, they have no problem being authentically themselves. Have you noticed that? That they express themselves how they want to, when they want to, and there's not a lot that you can do about that. I know there's all kinds of parenting techniques to minimize that, to mitigate that, but the fact of the matter is is that children are gonna be who they are and they're willing to do that wherever they are. They will say what they want, wear what they want, express what they want, and there's something really beautiful of that. My, my boys are so playful and imaginative and they, they have no problem in expressing fully who they are, what they're feeling, what they long for, what they need in the moment. There's no worry about living an authentic life. And as I watch them and as I enjoy this season, the thing that kills me is to know that one day that will be tampered with, that they'll lose that one day, that this season that they find themselves in won't live forever because one day there will be a kid on the playground who will say something about Jackson or Colin that will impact them and suddenly they will lose that drive for authenticity and to fully live themselves. There will be a mentor or a teacher or a friend who will correct them on how they are supposed to live, how they're supposed to engage life, how they're supposed to express themselves, and they'll know that there are certain ways that are unacceptable and there are certain ways that are acceptable. They'll find themselves living in their own insecurities around their bodies or around their hearts or around their minds, and they'll find themselves minimizing the expression of who they are to their fullest. In other words, there will be other voices that start informing them of how they are to live their lives. See, at the end of their days, people said that their biggest regret was that they did not live an authentic life. So let's start reverse engineering this thing. What exactly does it mean to live an authentic life? See, when I looked up authenticity, I found that that definition was actually quite powerful. The definition of authenticity is defined as being of undisputed origins. That, that the origins of you as an individual or something, they're undisputed. Everyone knows exactly where they came from and that it's genuine. Those are actually the two definitions of authenticity, of undisputed origins and genuine. 
I know where I came from and I know that I am the real deal in giving myself in the middle of this. And here's the thing. I actually think that as a society, we have a very twisted idea or definition of what authenticity actually means. And I think it's actually one of the reasons why this conversation is so important. I think it's one of the reasons why it's people's biggest fear that they will not have fully experienced the dreams that are in them. And it's why it's one of the biggest regrets when people are on their deathbed that they did not live an authentic life. Because as a society, we have an obsession with the second part of that definition, being genuine. And I think this is where we go wrong because being genuine about what? See, because most people that I talk with, and I coach a lot of people, when they talk about living an authentic life, what they actually mean is an unfiltered and unrestrained life. That's usually what they mean when they talk about authenticity because they usually use phrase like, I need to live my authentic life. I need to live out my authentic truth. I need to live out my authentic self. I need to express my authentic feelings regardless of who is hurt and what are the consequences. And that is oftentimes how we define authenticity in our culture. And if I filter or restrain myself in any way, then I am no longer being authentic. I'm gonna actually ask you to consider that more this morning, that that is not authenticity, that's self-indulgence. And there's a difference between the two of them. See, it usually means that I do what feels right for me. And we call that authenticity. See, the problem is, is that Jeremiah, in his writings, he says this to us in chapter 17, verse 9. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, now, when Jeremiah writes this, it's actually not hard to believe, right? I and mean, when you think about it, how many of you have, ever, have had your heart tell you all kinds of screwy things? I mean, just think about it. How many of you have gone through life and your heart has told you to say things that later on you're like, yeah, shouldn't have said that, right? And it's told you, do this thing, and then later on you're like, yeah, probably not the greatest decision. It told you to eat certain things that later on you're like, yeah, probably not the best decision for me in the middle of that. And so here's the thing. If I am going to base my authenticity on what feels good for me in my heart in the moment, I am always gonna have a fraudulent starting point for authenticity, it's always gonna be a diseased starting point. See, because in order to live my life, yes, it requires me being genuine and it requires me of being undisputed origin or in other words, knowing my blueprint, knowing where I started, knowing what the standard is. When, when federal agents are trained in how to work with anti-counterfeit strategies, especially with money, they're actually not given counterfeit money until the very end of their training. They're not given counterfeit bills to study. They're not given counterfeit checks to study. What they are given is hundreds and hundreds of authentic bills. They're given authentic checks. They're given authentic traveler's checks. And they're told to study them until they can hold the paper and know instantly this is the paper that is authentic that they're trained to be able to look at a check and hold it into the light and instantly know what's authentic. That they're being trained to know how to feel certain texts and inks and printing mechanisms to know exactly, exactly what authentic looks like so that at the end of the day, they can know what authentic looks like instantaneously. So when a counterfeit bill comes up, 
they instantly know, yeah, this is not the real deal. In other words, they study what is authentic. And in the studying of the authentic, they're able to then discover and discern what is inauthentic. See, if you are to live an authentic life, if at the end of your days, you're gonna say, man, I lived an authentic life fully out, you actually have to know what authentic looks like first. You actually have to know, be able to feel it, to touch it, to taste it, to to live within your body what authentic looks like. See, if you're gonna go on a journey of self-discovery without knowing what true north is, without knowing what authenticity actually is and looks like, you will always find yourself guessing what authentic looks like. You will always find yourself like fabricating a version of authentic you and then attempting to live that out. And you will always find yourself let down and confused if you go on that search without knowing what true north is. Because here's the thing, how many of you recognize that there are so many different authentic versions of you? How many of you recognize that there is the angry, bitter, retributive version of you, yes? How many of you recognize there, there, there's the happy, joy-filled, life-living version of you? How many of you recognize that there is the self-pity, woe is me, no one's here for me, everyone lives in a clique, no one likes me version of you, right? Which version is authentic? <laughs> See, they're all authentic. The question is, which version is actually going to move you towards the life that you were called to live? Because authenticity is not having the courage to live out your truth. It's having the courage to discover what is authentic and to live that out fully, to fully step into it, to conform yourself to what authentic looks like. See, David, who was the one last week that we talked about who asked us to number our days so that we might gain a heart of wisdom, also wrote this in Psalms 139, starting in verse one, he says, "'O Lord, you have searched me and you know me, You know when I rise and when I sit, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before you have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. Luke, in the scriptures, actually says that God knows the, the numbers of hair that are on your head. In Genesis, the writer, when he talks about God making us, he says he made them male and female and then he made them in the image of God. See, if God hemmed you in, in the womb, and he knows you that intimately, and he knows you that precisely, I'm gonna suggest that it is the voice of God that will actually lead you to an authentic life. That it's the voice of God that will actually point you towards true north of what it means to live authentically here and now. See, David actually starts out this song by saying, God, you know me and you hemmed me in and you laid the blueprint for me. You know exactly what I do and what I don't do. But then he ends it by saying this in verse 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, because what David understood was that if he was left to his own truth, if he was left to his, his heart informing him of how he was going to live, he would always lose. But there would never be a true north that he could point to because he realized that if he was going to look to the designer of his soul, the designer would then point back and say, hey, here's where you're authentic and here's where you're out of alignment with the authentic you. 
Here's where you're actually living out the pureness of what it means to be you. And here's where you're actually out of alignment with the greatest version of you that is available there. And he understood that the designer could show him who he is and where he might be disconnected from the design. Because if he knew his origin and then he looked to that origin as the source of genuine life, he might actually find himself living an authentic life. See, I think that people have this regret at the end of their days, not because they didn't do what they wanted. I actually think it has very little to do with, with, with not doing what they wanted because here's the thing. If you just live your life doing what you want and calling that authenticity, you will be left alone and you will be left broke and you will be left broken, I guarantee you. Because just doing what you, whatever you want and calling it authenticity is a recipe for disaster. See, I actually think that people have this regret at the end of their life because they listened to the wrong voices to inform them of what authentic looks like, of what genuine actually look like. Because if we fail to live an authentic life because we never listened to the authentic voice out there, then we actually miss the whole point. Because here's the thing. Someone's voice will always inform you of what genuine looks like. There will always be a voice that is informing you of what genuine looks like. For some of you, you still have that voice of your mom and dad in the back of your head telling you, stop that, don't do this, you should be doing this, you shouldn't be doing this, why aren't you doing this? You should have had this major, you should have given yourself, why can't you get your act together? For some of you, you still have that, that voice of that mentor or that coach that informed you of how you were supposed to live your life. For some of you, you have religious programming inside of you that informs you of who you are based out of shame or contempt. There are voices inside of you from society that has informed you of here's how you're supposed to do your life, here's how much money you're supposed to make, here's where you're supposed to be at a certain age. And here's the thing, with all of these voices attempting to inform us of what an authentic life looks like, the tendency is then to swing the pendulum when those voices don't work anymore. So rather than saying, you know what? I'm gonna listen to another voice. What we say is I'm listening to no one but me. That I will be the designer of my life and no one will tell me who I am. See, the problem is, is then you're just left with you. <laughs> and, and I don't know what's a worse space to be in. Having another voice informing me of how to my, live my life or, or having my voice informing me of how to live my life. Both will actually move you towards a space of desperation. See, the question is, isn't, the question is not, is a voice informing you? The question is, is the voice that's informing your life expanding your life or is it closing it down? Is it moving you towards fullness and hope and love and joy and freedom? Or is it moving you towards confinement and frustration and breakdown over and over and other over? Because I'm gonna actually suggest to you that any voice other than the designer will lead you to a smaller life, even and including yours. See, at the end of my days, if I can say I know my origins, I know the blueprint and I lived that out, I know it'll be a win. I know that's what a win looks like when it comes to authenticity because a life based on a voice other than Jesus will always lead to a counterfeit life. It will always lead to a design that you were not actually designed for. See, here's the thing. In the book of Romans, it tells us, it actually tells us how to live an authentic life. 
And I know some of you here at Humanity Church will not like this answer. But here's the answer of what Romans tells us of how to live an authentic life. It actually tells us to imitate Christ. That we are to imitate Christ and that if we imitate him, that it will actually lead to an authentic life. Now, here's why I think this is, we bristle up against this concept because when it says that we are to be made to imitate Christ, it, it sounds like conforming and imitating, doesn't it? And there's something about us that, that bristles off when we say that we are supposed to conform to someone or something else or we to imitate someone or something else. And in fact, one of our highest values here at Humanity Church, it's one of our core values is that creativity is the natural result of spirituality. Not artistry, but creativity, that your life would actually become more creative because you were connected to Jesus. We, we use all kinds of assessments like StrengthsFinder and the Enneagram and Myers-Briggs. We have, we have whole days called Yellow, which help people discover their uniqueness in this life here and now. So how do these things jive together? How do we have a community with the highest value of creativity and finding your unique voice and place and then saying, hey, if you want to live an authentic life, what you need is conformity and intimidate, intimidate, <laughs> <not> intimidation, <laughs> imitating Christ. How do those two connect to one another in the middle of this? See, here's the thing. When you read through the scriptures and you look at what Christ is doing in the world around us, how he actually lives his life and how he participates with humanity, the defining characteristic of Christ is always sacrifice. And so if you are to be an imitator of Christ, your life will be a life filled with sacrifice. See, even Jesus, he defines this cultural picture of marriage for us as a picture of sacrifice. In fact, Jesus says, look, marriage is one giant example of what it looks like to sacrifice for another person. He says, look, when you come together, the woman represents the church and it represents the church that is to submit to the man. Now, I know that seems really archaic and it seems really out of base. Hold on with me for just one second. And then it actually says that Christ represents the husband, the husband represents Christ, and that the husband is to sacrifice on behalf of the woman. And here's the thing, sacrifice inherently also includes submission, but it also includes laying down your life. It's actually a way worse calling than just submission. It actually requires submission and giving up everything for the sake of another in the middle of this. So if we are to imitate Christ, if that's how we move towards an authentic life, what it actually includes is sacrifice and submission. And so if we are to live an authentic life, we will live a life that is filled with sacrifice and submission for the sake of others. And in Matthew 16, 25, he says, for, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. See, part of sacrificing Yes, includes sacrificing for others, but what it starts with is sacrificing the small, insignificant version of you that you have either adopted or made up in your head. Sacrificing that 
for the sake of others. Sacrificing that part of your life that is disconnected from the life that God has designed you to live. Sacrificing all of the insecurities that keep us from giving ourselves fully to other people. All of the excuses that say, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not good enough, I'm not able to. It includes sacrificing all of those for the sake of the other. And see, if you are not crafted from the designer, if you are unwilling to sacrifice all of those things and allow yourself to be shaped and conformed and imitated by him, you will find yourself being a knockoff in this life. You may be authentic, but you're like an authentic Louis Vuitton handbag from Santee Alley in downtown LA that's $20. You're that type of authentic, right? You'll find yourself in, in, that, in that space. See, and the knockoff authentic version of you the knockoff version is always informed by scarcity and fear. But when you find yourself being informed by any other voice or conforming to any other voice here and now, your life will always be driven by scarcity and it will be driven by fear. And let me just tell you, scarcity and fear are horrible contexts to sacrifice from. In fact, they will actually tell you, do not sacrifice. They will tell you, there's not enough. So make sure that you keep what you have. It will actually inform you that, hey, the world is a scary space. So do not give yourself because you are going to be left wounded and hurt and without a savior in the middle of all this. So you need to cover up your brokenness and keep it to yourself. And the only option then is to cover up and protect. And so if you find yourself being informed by any other voice, you will find yourself covering up and protecting yourself rather than sacrificing and giving yourself generally, generously to others because there's not a lot of creativity that's found in scarcity and fear. In fact, those two things are the death of creativity and uniqueness. See, what I love is that the authentic life that Jesus invites us into is a life that is lived in the light. That is the type of authenticity that Jesus invites us into. It's the type of sacrifice that he invites us into for the sake of the other. In, in Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse eight, it says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists, con consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible for it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. See, the authentic life that the designer has for you involves you stepping into the light and it invites you to share all of your struggles. It invites you to take all of the things you would rather keep hidden and secrets that feel like they're going to be a, a huge liability and to bring them into the light with community so that they can be plainly seen. It, it invites you to take all of your pain and your grief and your hurt and to illuminate them, to be authentic with them in community so that they actually become a resource to share with others rather than something you're constantly having to hide and protect and keep hidden away from other people. It invites you to bring out your addictions and your insecurities and everything from your past and say, I refuse to keep these hidden. I will bring them into the light because this is what Christ invites me into. And there is a sacrifice in that. 
There is a sacrifice in living in the light of sacrificing your need to protect and covering up. See, so many people go to the grave with so many secrets. And I think that's why people at the end of their day say, I didn't live an authentic life because they refuse to step into the light and imitate Christ in that way. See, to bring them into the illumination that they should no longer shame you or overwhelm you, but that they might become light. See, because when we keep things hidden, it actually erodes authenticity. It actually starts breaking down your ability to live an authentic life. And let me just tell you, I I will fully admit that the church has contributed to that. The church has assumed that if we kept everything secret, that that might make us holy. It's just made us hypocrites. And what Jesus invites us into is bringing everything into the light. See, because it is not the darkness that erodes authenticity. It, It is keeping things in the darkness that erodes them. It's usually not the things that we keep hidden that that keep us from living an inauthentic life. It's keeping them covered and hidden and using all the energy that was supposed to go into living an authentic life now goes into keeping those covered up so we're not able to give ourselves and serve others fully. See, the moment it's illuminated, it loses its power. And then all of that energy is freed up to give yourself to others, to live out the authentic expression that you were made for here and now. So one expression of sacrifice that Jesus calls us into is leaning into the light. But the other expression of sacrifice that Jesus constantly demonstrates for us is to live an authentic life that is motivated by love. See, Imitating Christ and stepping into the light and walking in love is such a powerful recipe for living an authentic life. Because here's the thing that I found is that love is 100% sacrifice. To live a life of love is to simply sacrifice and keep sacrificing and keep sacrificing and keep sacrificing even when it doesn't feel good even when my heart tells me that I shouldn't be doing this, it's to keep sacrificing. See, the definition of love is actually to break yourself for the sake of another so that they can actually move into the life that they were called to. See, I actually think this is one of the reasons why, why our culture struggles with, with love so much because not only have we placed a twisted version of authenticity over loving my neighbor, but if love requires me to sacrifice my truth, then in our culture's version of authenticity, I can never love fully. See, because love will require you to sacrifice your truth for the sake of the truth of love, of giving yourself until it hurts. See, I love that in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23, this is what Paul says about how he loves, about how he sacrifices himself for the sake of others. He says this, though I am free and I belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like those under the law, though I am myself, I'm not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became not one having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. 
To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. Now, let me just tell you, if you were to read this out loud to our culture today, what people would probably say is that Paul had extreme boundary issues, right? I mean, Paul's like saying, look, I am going to break myself for whoever is in front of me. And it sounds like Paul is losing himself. It doesn't sound like he's actually being authentic. This sounds like a fake version of Paul. See, he says, look, I love my Jewish friends. So when I'm around my Jewish friends, I'm gonna be Jewish. And then he says, and then when, I love, when I'm around my religious friends, guess what? I'm gonna be a little religious with them. And when I'm around those who are a little like questioning religion, I'm going to meet them where they're at in the middle of this. And then he says to my liberal friends, I'm gonna become liberal to my weak friends. I'm gonna become weak. And he says, look, I will do all of this for giving myself away. See, maybe one of the most authentic ways to live our lives, maybe the one who is the most authentic is the one who breaks themselves the most. The one who's willing to shift and adapt and give themselves no matter what context they found themselves in, no matter who they find themselves in, See, because our current authentic model says, well, I just need to share my truth. Actually, the more authentic version would be, I just need to post my truth. I have a right to post this because it's authentic me. I have a right to say this because it's authentic me. I have a right to do this because it's authentic me. What if authenticity was just saying, yeah, I'm gonna sacrifice all that because who's over there? And how do I give myself to them? How do I fully step into the light with all of that. See, the one who is willing to shift and adapt and let go and forgive and release and hope again, the one willing to give up their life so that they could find it, what if that was the most authentic person in the room? And what if to live the most authentic life is to follow Jesus into radical light and into radical love and to sacrifice until we find the image of God inside of every single person that we encounter. And in that, we might find the image of God within us. See, the beautiful thing is that love will always set us free to live the most creative life possible. And it's not about you living your truth. It's about stepping into the light so that we're set free from shame. We're set free from all of the inadequacies we're set free from all the insecurities so that we can finally truly live the life we were called to and to sacrifice for love and to no longer live in scarcity. Look, you may have been coming here this morning around this talk, around authenticity, hoping for like a more inspirational talk, you know, about having the courage to like pursue your career that you've always wanted or to finally book that trip to Paris that you always wanted or to finally go to Malawi or to dance like no one's watching or whatever it may be. If that's what you're looking for, go do it, time's running out. <laughs> See, but the end of the day, living an authentic life doesn't begin with the courage to act on your feelings or your truth. It begins with the humility to recognize who you are as a person of undisputed origins, to know whose you are, 
and to know where you came from and to look at the blueprint and say, what does it actually mean to be human? And to fully live that out with everything inside of us. To know who we belong to without a shadow of a doubt. To lay down the small, scarce, shame-filled life we've created. And to look to the designer. To know your design. To not fear stepping into the light fully. And then, once you've laid all of that down, then you'll finally be able to pick up the glorious, breathtaking life that you were designed for. Only then will you be able to live a genuine life filled with hope and freedom. And look, I pray that you do fully live. I pray that you step into the light and I pray that you sacrifice for love because you were made to make a very specific and important mark on this world. And it begins with you knowing your origins and being willing to live that out fully. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you did not leave us hoping for what it means to live an authentic life. That you did not leave us wondering how do we fully live and what does it mean to be me? You don't leave us at the end of our days wondering if we gave it all, but you gave us clearly spelled out what it means to be human, to imitate you, to walk in the light and to sacrifice for love. And Jesus, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that, to lay down our own truth and our own hearts and our own feelings and our own desires, God, and to pick up the life that you've called us to that we might lose our life. And in the act of that, we would gain it back. And this morning, if you're here and you've not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're online and you're watching and you're like, man, I want to live an authentic life. At the end of my days, I don't wanna say that I was living for someone else or another voice was informing me of a smaller life. This morning is your opportunity to connect to him because without him, there's no possibility for living an authentic life. It starts with imitating and following him. And from there, he sets you free. So this morning, if you have not yet connected to Jesus, this is your moment. Maybe you connected with him a long time ago and you've walked away or you've been disconnected. This is your moment to connect to him. So this morning, if you want to connect to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, would you just raise your hand? Yeah, who else? If you're online, you can just post on there, follow Jesus, and Rachel will get at you. So if your hand's raised, I just want you to pray this prayer with with me. It's not magic words. In fact, there's nothing that happens right now. This is just a declaration of you to God saying, I'm willing to follow you. Just say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm broken and I give you my life. I know that you died and came to life for me. Show me what it means to live and I will make you Lord. I thank you and I love you in Jesus' name. 
Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.